In early May, as the Bloomington Open Studios tour was gearing up for its fifth year, the group sent sad news. Participating artist Sandy Wood Taylor had passed away unexpectedly at the age of 78. I didn't know Sandy, but I recognized her from the photo in the email I received. I'd met her once. It was during the 2014 studio tour at her airy, contemporary home in the woods, where she was showing her jewelry and paintings. Her elegance, grace, and humility had left an impression on me. Reading Sandy Taylor's obituary in the Herald Times, I soon realized how many people in the community had been touched by her. Today at Cafe Indiana, we're hosting a gathering to honor the accomplished painter, jewelry maker, and flutist. Sandy's elder daughter, Shelley, gets us started. I guess my main memories of my mother are just um, seeing her do her thing, whether she was in the jewelry booth or in her painting clothes in the basement or playing a flute recital where she would have these long flowing gowns and her stunning white hair. She had that white hair for the longest time and it was all natural. (laughs) And um, she just looked like an angel. You know, it's so interesting because Sandy was such a beautiful woman. Sue Sweeney teaches in the IU Jacobs School of Music. She was really striking and she was also, you know, so talented and so you know, she just had a lot going for her in that way. But she never she never played on that at all. She was too busy being interested in things to worry about what other people were thinking, I think. I mean, she was very, very bound up in her own processes of creating. That was enough for her. I think she was just very, very intelligent, you know, and, and so she anything she did, she excelled at. Ransom Wilson is a world-renowned flutist. And the, the most amazing thing of having said all of that, she was incredibly nice. She could very easily have been, you know, arrogant and difficult and, and a kind of a prima donna. Uh, and none of those things were true. She was just the most, she was the warmest, most caring, most giving person. It was, it was a very unusual and special combination. Sandy was a friend of mine. Michael Ann Carley is an artist who works in metal and glass, as well as an arts educator and advocate. I haven't lived in Bloomington long. I've only been here three and a half years. And she was one of the first people that I developed a relationship with. Uh, She was so magnanimous and generous of her spirit. She knew I was an artist, and she just put her arms around me, literally and figuratively, and brought me in. But Sandy hadn't always been in Bloomington either. Born and raised in Mason City, Iowa, Sandy attended the University of Iowa, where she received her bachelor's degree in music education with a flute interest. Yeah, and she'd studied with this very famous Midwestern teacher whose name was Betty Bang, believe it or not, B-A-N-G. In 1957, Sandy married Robert E. Taylor. They were lovebirds. I've never seen a relationship like that. He really did bask in her glow. The couple moved to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where Sandy earned a master's degree in speech and hearing. And my mother was a secretary in the speech and hearing department at the University of Alabama. I was 12, and I had just started the flute, you know, in September in the band program in my junior high school. Sandy Taylor was a speech therapist at the time, and she was somehow let my mother know that she was also a flute player. So my mother, as a Christmas gift, 
bought me, I, don't, I forget if it was six lessons or something like that with Sandy. But that was all. Only months after taking on her new student, Sandy moved with her husband and daughter to Washington, D.C. And I was devastated because I never was able in that area to find a teacher anywhere near that level. Wilson, who teaches at Yale, plays with the Chamber Music Society of Lincoln Center, and was recently named music director of the Redlands Symphony, traces at least one notable aspect of his playing back to his first teacher. She said something that really stuck with me until now. Um, when, when I was playing some piece, and she said, you know, at, at this place in the piece, you need to change the color of the sound, a concept that I never even had considered before at, at age 12. And it's interesting because of all the things that, that I guess kind of set my playing apart from other people, it's, it's my obsession with color in the sound. And I, I, have to, I have to think that that came directly from her. Yes, well, she, I mean, she played with many beautiful colors. Sue Sweeney conducted Sandy when she played with her Voces Nove Chamber Choir and her Unitarian Universalist Church Choir. It's a little like singing voices, you know. It can be very round and plummy, or it can be very clean. And she could, she could really change change the color, and that's how she matched so well with other players because she had really good control of that. She was really a go-to flute player because she had perfect pitch. She had a beautiful tone. She just always played everything exactly the way I felt it should be played the first time. Sandy cultivated that musicianship over years of study and performance. In 1967, the family left Washington, where she'd studied painting with WPA artist Ben Abramowitz, and given birth to her second daughter, Jan. Settling in Muncie, Indiana, Sandy took a master's in flute performance at Ball State University and started teaching flute at Anderson University. Growing up, Shelley Taylor took to the cello, and music became a shared pastime for mother and daughter. We played music together all the time for as long as I can remember. We would play at our church, we would play together in the house, and we would play in Anderson and Pendleton symphonies. I had many trips back and forth from where we lived in Springport to either Anderson or Pendleton. Many trips in the car with my mom, and we had so much fun, always talking about what happened in the rehearsal or the performance, you know. A lot of laughter is what I remember, a lot of laughter. Shelley went on to take bachelor's and master's degrees in cello performance at the IU Jacobs School of Music. They would come down to hear me perform and visit me, and um, they loved the arts community here. They loved the concerts, the theater, um, so much that at one point they said, would you mind if we retire here? But retirement was a relative term. Around 10 years earlier, in 1980, Sandy had started creating jewelry from patinaed brass and launched her own line. Bob had taken early retirement to support her business, which involved a lot of traveling to art fairs. She loved doing art fairs. Artist Michael Ann Carley. I don't know how many people I have ever met in my life that would say that, but she loved them so much uh, that she said that when she quit doing Forest Street, and she had been on the Forest Street Committee for many, many years, was part of the uh, founding of it, uh, she said she, she would go and she would walk the street and she would, her heart would just sink that she wasn't in a booth and talking to people because she so loved that engagement. Over 20 years running her jewelry business, Sandy participated in more than 200 juried art shows. After selling her line, 
Sandy remained engaged with the visual and musical arts communities by participating in the Bloomington Open Studios Tour, Voces Nove, and the Unitarian Universalist Church, where she organized the yearly Crafts Bazaar and sang in the choir with her granddaughter Isabel, who's 19. And they sat side by side and stood side by side every Sunday, and to see them up there just sharing this specialness together was very special for me to to watch. While singing and playing for fun, Sandy remained as serious about her music as she did her visual art. Her composition Concurrence was premiered at Wichita State University in 2015 and was juried for inclusion in the 2016 National Flute Association Convention in San Diego, where it will be performed August 12th. You know, I think Sandy was kind of ahead of the curve in a certain way because, you know, at the time that Sandy graduated from her music education, you had to make a conscious choice. Either you're going to go right for the symphony orchestra and you're going to be a performer in the public eye, or you had to make a, a very clear, conscious decision not to do that. And so, you know, it must have been hard for someone as talented as she was to make that choice. But she had so many other interests which, again, at that time, was almost looked down upon. And nowadays, it's seen as a source of richness. You know, if somebody does more than one thing, everything is informing itself. So you become a better performer, you become a better visual artist, um, you become a more interesting person. She was an, an artist. She just had this desire to make beauty. That's where it all came from. It wasn't about somebody saying, oh, you're the best flute player, you're the best jewelry maker. She, she did it because she just needed to do it, I think. There's a lot of integrity to all the work she did. She had a very powerful influence, I think, on a lot of people just by being her light-filled self. Her legacy and her, her path is deeply entrenched in this community and she will just be and is profoundly missed.